Okay, hello. This is Adam. And I'm Lubitsa. And this is the Cold Pizza Party Podcast. Where we talk about leftist politics and trashy TV. Yeah, and other things. Yeah, well, mainly that. <clears throat> We're on our porch. There's a nice rain, so we thought we'd a come to a... storm. Yeah, so we thought we'd just come can an intro and some recommendations. Should I go first on recommendations? Yeah. Okay. Um, I have one small rec. Well, I guess they're both pretty short. Uh, the first, I have, so I have two. Is what I'm trying to say. Um, the first one is, uh, be, if you are interested in Yugoslavia or Yugoslavian politics, I know we we reference it a fair amount on this show. There's a good BBC documentary that's available on YouTube called. Fuck, what's it called? Uh, the killing? It's called, like, The Fall of Yugoslavia. Or, or no, I you're talking like, about... The, I feel like if you call it The Breakup... I think if you search The Breakup of Yugoslavia... Yeah. Should I look it up? You can should do, we restart no, this? It's fine. On YouTube, you can just type BBC Yugoslavia documentary. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, it's a six-part documentary. Each part is an hour, so I guess it's a little bit of a time investment, but it's really good. It's um definitely... Uh, like brutal in terms of the imagery that it shows uh because it was a war (laughs) Mm -hmm. um but i think that the horror and brutality of those images um is is necessary because you have at the same time like juxtaposed you have the leaders of um yugoslavia at the time and now leaders of the states that you know used to be Yugoslavia um explaining like their decisions and I mean they got incredible access like they got to talk to everyone and everyone is so like honest (laughs) about what they did that you um sorry I got distracted (laughs) (laughs) yeah everyone's very open like it's uh when when it ends like uh where are we in the timeline like kosovo hasn't even been bombed when the documentary ends yeah nobody's been put on trial or charged with basically they just uh like they just uh, i think they say that six months prior they signed the dayton peace accord so yeah Um, so they get yeah yeah but nobody's very uh, but i mean they yeah no one's guarded you have like milosevic or isa begovic or uh, what's his name from Croatia? Uh, Ratko Oh, the yeah. other Serbian is Ratko. Yeah. Um, you have these, uh, you know, like terrible people just yeah. like looking at the camera and being as honest as you could imagine. And they also get um, incredible access in like me- like video uh, footage of like the meetings where they're basically voting to break up Yugoslavia and so it's really you know i think the last episode especially kind of drives home this point but you know they're considering whether to sign the peace accords or continue war some of them and then you see like literally a a dead body with like a man with like a hole in his body like yeah there's a content warning (laughs) yeah Uh, so i mean yeah it's it's horrific and brutal 
but it's interesting too because and, and useful because you know that's the reality of what they're talking about yeah even though they of course have nice language and very patriotic reasons you know good high reasons why supposedly you know it would be moral for them to continue for fighting for the bosnian people or the serbian people or whoever Mm -hmm. meanwhile the serbian people the bosnian people are laying on the streets right like so um or you know marching being marched out of their villages or whatever so it's um yeah it's a really good documentary it's a good juxtaposition um yeah it's yeah it's it's a good way worth checking out it's a good way to learn and form some opinions of your own since you get so much insight into what everybody's saying and thinking yeah i mean it's still from the bbc so it's still like a you know western perspective like it's not like it was made by people who lived it and really know the history and everything yeah and um like the americans and the other westerners in it tend to be like so dismissive of like the feelings and motivations and things like that of these leaders but i mean these are the same people who celebrate like patriotism at home and like you know salute soldiers and shit like that so it's you know it's kind of whatever but i mean i think it's still worth watching and uh something to check out nobody comes off well i'll say that not a single person or country or group macedonia's Oh, yeah. Actually, Macedonia is fine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> nothing. Macedonia doesn't do anything bad. And yeah. Nothing yeah, really we pretty much there. just left. And, and, you know, when they were like, we want to break up, we were just like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. But also, the second thing, speaking of Macedonians, that I wanted to recommend is, um, you know, sometimes I share recipes on here. I think I have a few times, like probably for Pershing Piperki and Shopska. But um, there is a woman who makes a little website called MacedonianCuisine.com. And she's from Bitola. She's from my city. So um, I uh, really like her recipes for the more traditional dishes because they're pretty close to, like, what I grew up with. Um, And I think – and all of her recipes are in English. So if you're ever looking to try some – macedonian food or just mix up you know your cuisine some something to check out there's also all like macedonian cuisine it's really easy to make it vegetarian and a lot of it even vegan because it's like we're a poor country you know (laughs) so our traditional dishes are um meant to for lean times too but also you know eastern orthodox um i think like catholicism probably does this too right like where you have uh, religious period like holidays and like periods of time where you don't eat meat um, mm-hmm. for certain saints days and stuff like that so our food is I think also meant to adapt for stuff like that so even if you're vegetarian or vegan don't be afraid to check it out yeah okay cool alright what should I recommend I don't know <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll recommend the Marxist Poetry Podcast uh, Roy's Podcast oh yeah hell yeah yeah You've been uh, listening to it a lot lately, and I've been, I, whenever I, like, whenever you start playing it and I, like, walk in, then we end up, like, listening to it together and talking about it, so. Yeah. It's a good podcast. That yeah. doesn't happen with every podcast that Adam listens to. No, and you don't <laughs> listen or read anything about 
you know, poetry yeah. or literature discourse. Yeah. So it is by far the best poetry podcast. I've tried to listen to other ones and it's far and away just more interesting. The sound is good. Not like this. Yeah, <laughs> and well, our, na- our neighbor's air conditioner us. just turned on, so. Yeah. Um, so. He had that good, I don't know who the person was because I kind of just walked in, but um, that woman who was uh-huh. talking about getting, like, uh, arrested and her activism and how actually getting arrested, like, led her to make, like, really incredible connections with other people. And then mm-hmm. she realized also, like, there were all these poets who were also, like, Marxists and yeah, that was Wendy stuff. Trevino. That's yeah. probably the best episode to start with. It's really yeah, I good really one. liked it. Yeah, she was cool. I really yeah. liked her stuff. But he also has uh, uh, James, who does Paint Bucket Press, and that's another great website to check out if you're looking for some poems online. So, uh, okay, that can be my recommendation. I'll wrap it up since the yeah. AC turned on. Okay. <laughs> and uh, we'll talk about something else inside. Okay. Bye. Uh, bye. Oh, I didn't have to say bye. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I guess <laughs> basically we want to talk about something that we had no intention of talking about today until we found out a bunch of people hate it. <laughs> yeah. We're going to talk about uh, another, another life. life. Yeah. Before we get started, I just want to say about my recommendation. I didn't really mention how to find the Marxist Poetry Podcast. Oh, yeah. The best way is just at Marxist Poetry on Twitter. It's probably okay. the easiest way. Okay. So yeah, we were recommended a video about another life on YouTube after watching some videos. And uh, digging into it, everybody hates the show. Yeah. And literally called it absolute trash. And I thought, oh, well, how perfect. We loved it. (laughs) I mean, we didn't love it. We saw problems with it, but we enjoyed it. We certainly did not hate it the way people really fucking hate it. And there are some things I really like about it. Yeah, me too. Do you want to summarize it for us a little bit? Uh, Basically, it's a show about aliens coming to Earth. There is a... Well, they don't come to Earth yet, right? It's... A a ship comes to Earth and leaves an artifact. There's a huge artifact. And uh, basically what happens is at the center of this is a husband and wife. The wife is an astronaut. She goes off with a team of astronauts to explore where the artifact came from, while her scientist husband stays at home and is part of a team trying to understand the artifact and what it does. Yeah. It's basically a sci-fi horror anthology show. Yeah. Like, it doesn't follow a single arc plot, mm-hmm. um, which I think is how every show should be. I wish we had more episodic shows. Yeah. The ideal format for any TV show should be Cowboy Bebop. Like, you have a bit of an arc. <laughs> yeah. You mostly only get it at the beginning and the end and a little bit sprinkled throughout. And every episode is like a different adventure. Mm-hmm. On Another Life, it's not... You know, it's a streaming show. Episodes are probably different lengths. It doesn't... Not every single little adventure ends at the end of every episode, right? Right. But basically, there's a handful of different plots that are going on. Yeah. Uh, per- episodically. Right. Like a new adventure. And also different frameworks of exploring what's happening in each mm-hmm. episode. You know, some episodes are like very straightforward and we're just getting like plot and we're moving through the story and other episodes take a beat to explore some different aspect of yeah what's going on 
Yeah. So that's pretty much the summary. I mean, that's basically all you need to know. We'll probably do some spoilers, but it won't ruin your enjoyment of the show, really. Yeah. It's like there is the mystery at the heart of the show. Like, what do the aliens, who are they? What, what do, do they, they want? want? Yeah. But like, surprise, like it's, they're dangerous, you know? Yeah. yeah. Or so it seems. Or so know. it seems. Yeah. yeah. We don't really know by the end. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. What was I going to say? Well, you told me oh. that you had an idea about what this is about with yeah, the big yeah, yeah. A. So, well, first I want to point out that basically they're just ripping off a bunch of sci-fi movies that came out. Which, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, can I say something about that yeah. real quick? So, I know we both noticed it. I noticed obviously like Arrival, Contact, Gravity, even Annihilation. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We talked about that. And maybe we'll talk about that a little bit as we're discussing this. But one thing that I really... So there's that criticism, and I mentioned it to you when we were watching, which just jokingly, but like, you know, the cardinal rule is like, don't remind people of art that is better than the thing that they're watching right now. And that definitely happens on this show. The gravity episode is like hilariously rough. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And there's a lot of... Uh, contact stuff, right? Like um, the aliens implant themselves in your memory as a way to talk to you in a familiar and form that you're not likely to be adversarial towards. Um, the the main the key to figuring out the artifact is realizing that they're essentially sending information in. Like, we're looking at it 2D and, like, flat, but really the information is, like, 3D. And in this case, they also add, like, a music component that to was, it. That was dumb. Okay. But but, yeah. but it's, like, basically straight out of contact. So when we were watching these uh, videos, there was, like, one guy in particular who was saying, well, it's just really making me want to watch Contact because that was actually a good movie. And I was saying to you, like, I love Contact. Like, when... It came out, it was like 96, 98, something like that. You know, like my friends are like, my favorite movie is The Lion King. Hey, what's your favorite movie? <laughs> was Contact. <laughs> um, you were like less than 12. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, definitely elementary school. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I understand that feeling, but I was saying to you, like, a big part like, I think a lot of these people and a lot of the complaints about this show uh, center around it not being, like, good at hard science, you yeah. know? And uh, that's so pointless. And it's funny to mention Contact in that context because, like, Contact was written by Carl Sagan. It does include hard science. It, like, literally explains, like, the Drake equation and stuff like that and ideas about... Um, potentially like finding life outside that are completely based in science right um about finding life outside of earth and stuff like that um and yet the book is not it's not a science textbook right and like in in the book and then also in the movie especially which i think is what this guy was referring to you know at the end of everything that happens if you haven't seen it spoilers but uh i haven't seen it Okay, well, spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> but um, they build what they believe is the spaceship with the instructions that the aliens give them. Um, they Everyone's excited to see her blast off into space. And then it just falls into uh, the ocean. And every, she has an entire experience oh, and right. journey. Uh, but to everyone on Earth, it looks like it, it was like five minutes and she passed out and then she was rescued. Yeah. 
And so everyone tells her that she's like completely insane for believing she had this experience, that there's no like hard evidence that she had. (laughs) And the only person who is willing to believe her is the uh, priest that she has been like hooking up with and stuff because he has faith, right? Because he's not limited simply by uh, hard science or a, a need for like empirical proof in the same way. And and throughout the movie, the, the movie doesn't do it as well, but the book definitely, there's like a, a real conversation about um, like the push and pull between empirical evidence and hard science and like faith yeah. and and that there's value in both basically and that we might need some of the those you know um like loosey-goosey hippie dippy kind of new agey ideas at least of like being willing to consider that there are things that are beyond what our limited um human senses can understand and interpret yeah. and so it's just funny to bring that up yeah. as a complaint against. I've, I've, we watched four or five YouTube videos about it, reviews yeah. and stuff. Everyone was critical and everyone was from a nerd channel. Yeah. That was like, this isn't realistic. It's Why also, would you only cast young, attractive people? Yeah, to be it was also, everyone was pissed that they weren't wearing uniforms. Yeah, that was insane. everybody mentioned it. I can't believe how mad everyone <laughs> was about that. And also every single one of those dudes was sitting in front of like a display of their consumerism, basically. Yeah. It's like all these little figurines and like DVDs and things like that as like sort of, I think I was saying to in uh, you were saying to me, we actually kind of said it at the same time, but basically like an appeal to authority, right? That they know good uh, science fiction because mm-hmm. they've consumed a lot of it, yeah. you know, which isn't really... One of the guys we noticed a lot of his videos were like about how all the Avengers movies are good yeah. and defending even the ones people don't like. Yeah. And it's like, uh, you don't find this show believable, but you love this superhero show. Yeah. Where people are literally flying through the sky with no physics involved at all. And also like there's like it's, no consequences for superheroes hitting each other, right? You're invincible. Yeah. I'm invincible. Like, yeah. People are, are people are just responding to an aesthetic. This yeah. is a trashy show. It's the trashiest Netflix show we've seen besides uh, Yummy Mummies, the yeah. abominable reality show from <laughs> Australia. Yeah. Uh, so people are just like clocking it immediately as as trashy, and then you know criticizing it for these things that really they could criticize the things that they like along the same lines. Yeah. Oh, that's not realistic. Blah 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 blah. Yeah. That's it's not a legitimate criticism of the show. Yeah. What would be a legitimate criticism of the show is that they're just ripping off better movies. Yes. But it's kind of fun. Yeah. And they actually do a really good job of being suspenseful in the moment. Yeah. And playing like the action and horror sequences really well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Would anything else a bit like that you want to say in general about it? Um, no, I think Because what I think is good... really interesting is what it's about. Right. But we don't need to. I definitely want to talk in specific or a little more specifically about one episode. But, uh, you know, first you can tell me what you think it's about and then we'll see. Okay. Is there anything else we want to say about enjoying it as being trashy instead of looking for something more? I mean, I think that it's okay to enjoy trashy things and, like, it's okay to just have it be fun and have fun with it. A lot of the other criticism, like, I mean, even the criticism about them not wearing uniforms, it's like, that's fine. Who cares? This is a TV show. Also, like, who would they wear uniforms for? They're on a spaceship together? I I would say in general, when you're 
engaging with or especially criticizing art, you really got to try to take it on its own terms. Yeah. There's no point criticizing it for, you know, not being something that it just isn't and wasn't meant to be. Yeah. It's a trashy show. Yeah. I mean. And it's also trying to be a little woke and that's okay. They did really well. That was one thing I wanted to mention. There's a non-binary character that they did really well with. They didn't talk about it. I know. I thought that was incredible. And then there's a kissing scene that was handled really well. Yeah. And then they didn't really feel the need to talk about it. Actually, before the kissing scene, there's a really beautiful, like, sort of seductive scene. This dog is right. (laughs) (laughs) You can talk. I'll get her to move. Um, Because sometimes, like, this this show is trashy, but then sometimes it, it still has... Um, like one of the episodes that I want to talk about, like it has like really sensitive moments, um, or ideas that it manages to explore in this like hyper, uh, world hyper. I mean, everything is just amped up, right? Because you're in space and, you know, so you kind of borders on camp. Like, yeah, it's, it's a little bit over the top. Yeah. She's going to fall off the bed. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, so you have, like, a scene where the, um, like, botanist character um, basically, like, explains this plant that they find, or, like, you know, explore, I don't know, like, basically, it's a way for him to very sexually, like, um, be feed. Be free, be loose? No, to give this um, non-binary character, Zane, uh, this like plant to eat, uh, but he like feeds them, so it's very sexual, and you know you see oh, their yeah, mouth, right, yeah. and it's like, but it's it's well done, you know. It, it, it's mm-hmm. not just gratuitous; it's really sensitive and and beautiful, and you sort of see the beginning of their attraction and and yeah. like love for each other ultimately, right? And um. It's so funny that, like, in one of the videos, this guy was like, uh, there was this, like, weird scene. Like, <laughs> it's like, oh, did it make you feel weird that you empathized in this moment, yeah. if nothing else? Or that maybe you were attracted to this person or you saw this person as a sexual being as opposed to maybe someone that you just think, oh, those people over there, you know? When I saw the cast, I did feel a little bit like, oh, they're just trying to, like, meet the diversity quota. Because yeah. the main characters are white. But then, you know, they pick one person from every yeah. demographic. Yeah. But they handled this so well that, yeah. I, you know, I can't not give them credit for actually not being performatively woke, but honestly doing and, a good job. And I think both of us bristled a little bit at the Latinx. Like, there was just a sense yeah. that there was a Latina character there to just be a spicy Latina yeah. and very sexual. And, yeah. you know, it felt like very a stereotype. Yeah. yeah. However, she ultimately ends up being, like, a hero and, uh, you know, gives herself up to save the entire ship in mm-hmm. uh, a almost Christ-like way where yeah. she's literally, like, bearing the the pain and the burden of yeah. saving everyone. And, and so, it's a pretty cool sequence, too. It's kind of good horror. It's yeah, and even that, it was like, yeah, it's good to see that a sexy, hot-headed, spicy Latina sort of... I mean, again, it felt a bit like a stereotype, but at the same time, to give that person um, the chance to be the hero, right? Yeah. To really um, do something important and not just be there to be sexy 
Although, and, and to say basically you can be both, right? Mm-hmm. It worked, you know? It was good. Like, I'm glad... If she was just there just to be sexy, it would have been gratuitous, you know? Yeah. But because she actually, like, ultimately had a very important role to fulfill that literally meant that they survived, you know, another day, it it was worth it. Like, I think, you know? I think you can at least defend that that character and that choice through that. Yeah. So, and and I would, normally I, I would sort of like roll my eyes a little bit, but it was so clear watching these videos that these people need to see some diversity because they they were so bothered by it, you yeah. know? Like, it was so clearly something that were, they were like, well, this is just unrealistic. And also these people are hot. <laughs> and it's like, okay. Yeah, it's, always, it's always fair to criticize, you know, like corporate wokeness. Like yeah. shoehorning in diversity in a half-assed way. But it turns out that's not what they were doing. They yeah. actually did a good job. Yeah. And if you let those characters be, like I said, like fully formed people, be integral to the plot, not always just on the sidelines, yeah, it matters. Uh, when I when we were in Seattle for my work thing, right, I went to the Museum of Pop Culture, uh-huh. and they have a Dalek there. And man, when you see a Dalek in person, it looks like shit. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think these people are trying to. They want all their art to be like Stephen Moffat, Doctor Who, mm. like. When you see, I always thought the Daleks are the worst part of Absolutely. the Doctor Who reboot. Absolutely. But when you see one of the old ones in person and it's like, oh yeah, this is like a painted trash, trash can. can. Yeah, with a plunger. <laughs> yeah. The idea that Stephen Moffat would make almost like a West Wing of sci-fi out of that yeah. is like even more ridiculous. Yeah. But I think these people want all their art to be like that. They want Doctor Who to be like that. They want superhero movies to be like that. Yeah. No, this show is just trashy and fun and uh like compelling in the moment like yeah. they have good horror action yeah. suspense sequences yeah it's it's totally worth watching if you want to watch something that's fun yeah and maybe it's a little bit i don't know if you would agree with this but maybe it's a little bit like sci-fi for people who wouldn't necessarily gravitate towards sitting down and watching starship enterprise or whatever the fuck yeah. you know i mean it's kind of soapy but so is Battlestar galactic yeah I mean, that's trashy, too. Yeah. Just it has a different reputation. And, yeah. And people are, I guess, engaging with it differently. Yeah. You know? uh, one, of the com- one of the videos we watched was this uh, Scottish girl, I think, mm-hmm. the YouTuber, who is, she, like, looked up the requirements for cast- for <laughs> <laughs> for recruiting astronauts. It's like, why? This is not a documentary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But she was like, uh, they look for things like, that you have to be cool under pressure and calm and that you get along with other people. Yeah. Because this show, it's it's much more than the sci-fi it is about, you know, people being trapped in a room together, getting on each other's nerves. Yeah. Having internal power plays and relationships. Yeah. Uh, like, that's the whole point of the show. Yeah. So... I think there was also, I was saying to you, there's a real sense that these people think that they're being skeptical or critical or whatever but they essentially have such a strong faith in authority and like they believe that the procedures for going into space are um perfect right or that if we had if aliens came to if this happened that we would have better procedures for how to handle the situation than what the show does but it's like dude donald trump is the president you know there's not we don't have like perfect systems, perfect government. This, like, I don't, I mean, the, the fact that they were just like so mad that there wasn't 
the, the astronauts were not perfect, cool-headed people is just they they you're you you believe that we can find those people and put them into space and they will behave exactly perfectly because our procedures on earth for testing them will be perfect you know like yeah. it's it's crazy like i was saying to you when i was a kid i got into diving and i loved doing it on the ground and on like the trampoline with the harness and like practicing and i would learn perfectly how to do a dive and the coach would be like okay you are ready to try this in the water and then it, I felt like, no, this is a completely different situation. I, I hate doing it, like, off a diving board into the water. I like doing it on the trampoline where I'm learning and it's safe and comfortable. You know, you never know once you're put into the actual situation that you're training for how you're really going to react. I mean, we can do a good job training and coaching and whatever, but at the end of the day, when you're at the edge of the diving board, it's still really hard to actually, you know, take the plunge. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so going back to the show being about, like, all these people trapped in the room together, right? Yeah, we took, like, a little detour into, um, like, the YouTuber community that we just discovered. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, let's actually talk about the show. I think there's a really cool, uh, take on alien contact stories that, as far as I know, is original. Mm -hmm. Unlike so many of the plots are ripped from other, you know, better movies or whatever. But towards the end, um... They in the the space crew reaches a planet that also has one of the artifacts, the big beacon. So they fly down and they're like, "We found it. We found the aliens." Mm-hmm. And it turns out it's another planet that was destroyed by the aliens. And there's an AI that she finds like in a cave mm-hmm. where a, a local uh, alien space creature that was had their race destroyed by these aliens is still. Living. surviving yeah and has like an ai computer in their cave where they're hiding and the ai basically explains what happened like uh they figured out how to activate the artifact and then the aliens came and like destroyed them or whatever mm-hmm. and the ai is basically like oh you have one of these on your planet whatever you do don't like just ignore it yeah like don't reach out to them don't make contact yeah this whole i think the show is really about the danger of connection Mm. And the horror of connection. Okay. Yeah. And I think that's an interesting take. Like, the idea that if aliens try to contact us, maybe we should just ignore it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I, I really think the whole show really is about that horror and danger of connection. It, it's like a theme that keeps coming up in all the mm-hmm. characters' arcs and interactions with one another. Yeah. Over and over. Definitely. So, like, you have, for example, like, um, well, actually, like, there's an... It, it really happens like over and over again right because uh like the latina character i'm sorry i don't remember like half i don't the know characters names, either, names. No. um that's that'll be good for people who didn't watch the show yeah yeah but basically the latina character hooks up with a guy who um is like this is a senator and like the son of a the def- oh yeah there's somebody Secretary who's on defense. the ship only because he's yeah, a citizen a senator but also because he's a citizen it's supposed to be like citizen or like human oversight over yeah like he's the not a science guy he's not an astronaut yeah. he's just there like for a bureaucratic political function yeah so she starts to hook up with him and then he they go on a planet and he is like infected by the or or like whatever i don't know the his brain is taken over by yeah. the aliens and so they're like she they make a connection and then um immediately it's dangerous to 
to her and to everyone on the ship, right? Yeah. Uh, or like Zane and the botanist character make a connection and then I think that turned out to be dangerous too. Oh, because yeah, he fucks up. Whatever. The point fine. is every time there, yeah, every time people have a connection, yeah. it ends up le- actually like leading to them being uh, more vulnerable. Yeah. And there are a few uh, ones that really move the plot, like the scientist dad back on yeah, Earth. That's the main one. His relationship of. with his daughter. Yeah. The aliens like give the daughter cancer and now he's willing to do well, anything. Before to get that, they first bring him into the artifact. Right. And oh, yeah, they do to... a contact style that's true. memory where they implant themselves into his memories of his wife in college and they're taught him and his wife are talking, but really it's the aliens and he's like conscious of that. And ultimately they test, they give him uh, the answer to an equation that like no one solved or whatever. And he's like writing on the board and he is so in this like dream state. Yeah. And he's able to ignore his wife when she's talking to him as when, when the aliens as her talking to him essentially, because he's so turned on and, just fully engaged in, oh my God, I can solve this equation. This is incredible. Mm -hmm. But as soon as they switch from his wife to his daughter, he, he, she just wants his attention. She doesn't even like really need anything, I think. But eventually he has to turn away from the chalkboard to look at her, to help her. Yeah, that's And they real, they say, basically, you gave us everything we need to know. Like in that moment, right? Now we know what the, the weaknesses here. They're also they're not brainwashing him either. Like no, no, they have access to his brain or whatever. Yeah, and he's in there. It's so much like Arrival. They're basically ripping it off it's scene a, it's by really scene. It's really like contact. It's too. it's really interesting how they rip things off almost scene for scene. Yeah, yeah. But so he goes into the thing like you're saying. The, the so aliens they... aren't the aliens aren't brainwashing or tricking him, right? Yeah. Like he is predisposed to believe that the aliens are good because he thinks people are good. Yeah. And he's like the, uh, he embodies the scientist point of view that's like, this is great. We're going to make contact with another and race. We, we can, can learn explore, so much about yeah. life and each other. And they're not tricking him, really. Like, they're making a normal human one to one connection. And even after they are kind of like exploiting his relationship with the daughter to do it, he still just kind of wants to believe the best in them, almost just because they've like, well, I think at that point, it's, yeah, but it is also, he feels like he has no choice. He has to save his daughter. Also. Yeah. I mean, he makes a devil's bargain. Like basically they learn, they show us two things that are like fundamental about being human, right? Like, or what they claim are fundamental about being human. One is of course, like we're going to protect our offspring, right? I mean, that's, and not just protect them. Like we love them. Like it's, you, you want your kids to be okay and happy and whatever at all times. So even in the simulation, and they showed that to us with uh, the mom as well. What's the Nico, the okay, main the character? Captain, the yes, space captain. yes, his wife. They, she also, and it's not the aliens in her case. She's having like a she's dream like, state. She's trapped in the machine. Yeah, I want to talk hibernate. about that later. But, um, but they show us that even in that situation, once again, like. Everything is going to shit, or and it, she's like being literally told like she has to go save the world, but it's her daughter's birthday party, and she can't oh, tear true. herself away, right? So it the the thing is saying like at a very fundamental level, this is a 
integral part of being a human being is being yeah. like a parent and and the the love and desire to care for and protect your yeah. baby, right? Her, yeah. And then it also shows us through the dad like what what happens. So it basically it actually I know that I think about it, it's like two options, right? So in her in the mom's case, eventually she figures she has to tear herself away to save the world. And she literally does that, right? When the artifact comes, she does that in her dream, but she also did that in real life. When the artifact comes, you would think like, this is a pretty uncertain time for Earth. I want to be with my kid. But instead, she leaves her child to go explore into space, right? right. Meanwhile, the dad who stayed home with the kid, when the um, aliens give her cancer, just the promise, with just the promise that they might be able to cure her leukemia, he essentially sells out the world. Like yeah, he releases yeah. the character who has a massive social media following whose brain has been taken over by the aliens. And the last scenes are essentially of her broadcasting their message. They tell us a million times she has 250 million followers, yeah, you yeah. know. But so she's broadcasting now their message. He he gave her a microphone. Like mm-hmm. it's like giving Hitler the megaphone, you know? Yeah. You you've given them access to a very dangerous medium, our communication, our mass communication, yeah. just for the promise of saving your child. Yeah. You know? True. As a quick aside too, there's every show now that has a female lead is about bad moms. Yeah, it's about <laughs> Being a bad mom, finding the balance between work and family. Yeah. It's, I don't know, interesting to me. Like, we talked about that with detective shows a lot. I mean, we're also talking about this as a horror show, And right? also, the the scientist dad, like you're saying, really fucks up by being too maternal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But also, this is a horror show. And we see a lot of, like, body horror. And we see the horror of being stuck in nightmares. Yeah. Uh, and we also see the really visceral horror of uh becoming a parent right and or being a parent and trying Mm -hmm. to protect this little person you've brought into this world right like i mean there's a real sense of like i am now responsible for life Mm -hmm. and when we're looking at a show exploring alien life and life on earth i think that's like a really integral and important thing to talk about that parenting dynamic is like replicated too in nico's relationship to her crew Mm -hmm. the big part of her arc it turns out is that the last time she was in space like there was an emergency and she had to basically break half of the spaceship off to save to save one half she had to break the other half off yeah and you know she's in the half that survives yeah a guy that she was sleeping with was in the half that fell off yeah so this is the episode i want to talk about actually okay but tell I just me. want to say yeah, real yeah. quick, like, yeah, she. so when she starts, she actually kind of is trying to make her way back to the place where she cares about the people around her. Mm. She's been, because of that experience and She's broken off dealing with her own actions yeah. there, she, yeah, kind of has the opinion that, like, she, she has to do work to get back to the place where she can care like a mother yeah. for her crew. Yeah. And you see that develop over some of the episodes. Right, because she's experienced the visceral horror of what happens when you can't protect the people oh, yeah, you love, true. right? So um, she... She's so, like carrying around guilt as if she had to kill them. Yeah. And she kind of does... She does have to... She like chooses to kill some one of the crew members towards the beginning. Yeah. Who, again, is like 
just an example of the danger of connection and and because he's so quickly yeah is like threatening her life like in episode two or three yeah and she's trying to give him the benefit of the doubt and stuff and like two or three times he's like don't do that or i'll kill you basically yeah anyway um yeah so that episode so there's an episode where nico is basically stuck like they're thing that induces sleep or whatever that allows them to travel asleep it's yeah like suspension right yeah so they go in the little sleeping pod and they hibernate and they like that way they don't have to age yeah for the, and so they can travel like light years and then get faster than light travel right so it's not like it's like they're not uh basically to allow things to unfold at the same time on earth as in space yeah they have faster than light travel yeah but they still have to hibernate right I guess. yeah so uh at some point they think like okay we solved all the problems let's go back into hibernation and then and what happens is basically something happens to the ship and it she's the only one stuck in like this induced sleep state and so she's stuck in a horror uh a, a nightmare, nightmare. And she can't get out, right? And the so already there, that's a good horror element because obviously we've all had nightmares, and when I've had nightmares where I'm like, "This is a dream, just wake up," and you think you woke up, and then you're still in the dream, mm-hmm. and obviously that's an extremely like horrifying situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but then on top of that, we this is like one of the things that I thought those YouTubers who are really focused on like science or whatever were really missing, which was this, we get this incredible, like sensitive exploration of trauma, you know, um, basically through setting it up as a dream that she thinks she's waking up from, but no, she's still in the dream. She, we're reliving her trauma with her over and over again. Right. And, um, and we're learning each time. And, on the one hand, it works as a good just storytelling device because now instead of doing what a lot of TV shows, including this one to some extent, but you know, what a lot of TV shows do where they just pipe and they just tell you what happened in the past or whatever, we're literally seeing, we have heard illusions that something happened in the past that okay. was really bad last time she was in space. And that's part of the reason that her new crew doesn't trust okay. her. This is where we learn. But what this happened. is where we really see what happened. And. Um, one, it, so, like, someone was saying, oh, it's boring, it's just too repetitive. But no, that's, like, what trauma is like, right? Like, I was thinking, like, you know, um, we had a dog that passed away, and it was obviously very traumatic because we loved him so much. <laughs> it was, he wasn't And it was old. sudden, yeah. yeah. Um, and when we took him to the vet, um, to the vet hospital, we thought like there was just something wrong with his leg and that he was just like limping or having a hard time walking. And so maybe they were going to do a cast or something. And then we were going to get to see him again. And so uh, when we were there, he was just wheeled out of the room without us really getting to say goodbye. Yeah. And it was a really, after he passed away, obviously it was really traumatic because and it's hard not to just relive that moment over and over again, wishing that you could just change it a little bit so that we could have just comforted him a little bit or said goodbye or the last time we saw him conscious, right? Yeah. And that's what this felt like to me. It felt like the way that I have had, 
I know I have, like, but maybe this is a much smaller thing than having to kill off half <laughs> your, lover. yeah, <laughs> and half your crew or whatever. But you know, I've had to relive that, and I did, especially when it was closer to the that moment happening. And recently, we had to take our dog back there. Yeah, and, and then it, when the other they, dog. Yeah, and when they show up and they're like, "Okay, we're gonna take her yeah. in the back," it's like it's like no. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, it's like I had to relive, like, relive that moment over and over again. And um, I kept thinking, like I said, that I wish I could change something. And eventually you just have to make peace with the fact that, like, okay, I, he knew we loved him. You know, mm-hmm. right? Like, it was all the the other stuff, the good stuff that mattered prior to that moment, right? The, about our relationship with him mm-hmm. and his life and our love for him and things like that. So... That, and essentially, that's where this episode ends. Like, she has to, like, learn to love, and the because she keeps trying to, like, change it every time she relives the nightmare of yeah. that experience of having to kill off the person yeah. she oh, loves. that's how she's literally trapped in the dream, is she just keeps trying to change it yeah. and failing. Yeah. yeah, and she has to ultimately just enjoy that she got to have that relationship and that experience, and that she got to have this great love of her life and and the little moments of sneaking away to kiss each other or whatever, and that that's what is valuable. And once she can, like, just live through that and accept that she had to make that decision for for him for her for everybody to like live i mean not for him to live but for everybody who did live to live um she's able to get out of the dream and she's also able to accept that her life now was worth saving she's a mother she you know it's important that she lived actually like there isn't a good there isn't a better solution to what happened. Yeah, true. You know? She also has to wake up because she has this crew here. And yeah. And a lot of problems going on while exactly. she's passed out. Yeah. That she needs to help deal with. Yeah. That's something interesting about the arc to me. She Because she also has to choose to be this, like, surrogate mom to her crew in favor of focusing on her daughter. Yeah. Like, she keeps going to this, like, hologram of her daughter or whatever. Yeah. Or sometimes they're able to call and talk to each other. And a few times she has to learn, like, what's more important is the people around me right now. Yeah, the being present. present yeah. Even though she is a mom, she kind of has to give up being a literal mom to be, you know, a symbolic mom to these people around yeah. her. And just choose instead what she has in the present and rather than her actual biological connection that still exists. Yeah. And after that episode, I think we see, one, why she absolutely, like, because when... We watch, I forget if it was the first or second episode where she kills the main guy who is challenging her authority. Mm-hmm. And in that moment, I was like, well, I mean, he was hot headed, but he didn't like actually murder you. You're the one who actually murdered someone. So it's hard for me to feel like, is this, is this really the right person to be leading this mission if that's like a problem solving technique you employ? <laughs> Killing someone yeah. that, you know, that challenges you. Um, but by the end of this dream sequence and seeing uh, her experience and living through that with her, and it, I feel like it, it does bring you to a place where you realize, oh, yeah, she is the right person uh, to be in this leadership role because she's she's made these decisions in the past, you know, because she was able to, at the end of the day, break off half the ship to survive. And um, 
even the stuff you're talking about, I guess, with like being a mom and com- compartmentalizing in some ways in order to be a good mom, like in order to save the country for her own daughter's survival, which sure, she literally yeah. gets called out on in the show, right? They're like, well, you only care about this because of your daughter, as if that somehow isn't a, uh, yeah. a really good motivating <laughs> reason. To, I mean, you know, um, the, 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 the things that seem to make her weak are actually the things that make her strong and a good leader, right? Like, uh, in some ways, like, they seem to make her husband, I guess, weak from what we were talking about. For being maternal. Yeah, but being a mom is an important part of what makes her strong, right? That yeah. It's an important part of what allows her to maintain focus and also to be a good leader, to the people who need to be sometimes mothered, sometimes, yeah. you know, um, they need... Yeah. And so, sometimes they though. need to be mothered and sometimes they need the captain who's willing to make the decision to, like, kill someone, right? Yeah. Like It's interesting and, and kind of weird how she has to go from being a bad mom in the beginning because she doesn't really care about the crew yeah. to learning to care about the crew, but to really be there and present for them, she has to forsake a little bit her own real yeah. daughter. That's well, kind I of think, Yeah, and I think that that's... Right, I mean, that's probably a lot of what a lot of working moms feel, right? Mm. When you have to, in order to for your kids' survival to continue, like in order for you to be able to put a roof over their head and food on the table, or plant it underneath of them. Oh, apparently. sure. You know, you have to um, leave and go do a job. And when you're at work, if you're just thinking about your kid or whatever, you're not going to be very successful at the work you do. So it's like a good motivating factor to have this child, but you also have to learn to marry that with other aspects of yourself that allow Mm -hmm. you to be a full human being, not just a mother, not just a worker, you know? Another uh, storyline that's really emblematic of the horror of connection is the arc of the AI guy. Yeah. He's a, what, Clara's boyfriend from Doctor Who? I think so. so he was in Doctor Who. He, yeah, like I think that. he was like a soldier in Doctor yeah. Who. So he's like the projection of the AI of the ship. Yeah. And he becomes human by falling in love with Nico, basically. Mm-hmm. So that's another th- criticism, unfair criticism people have of the show is like, horror and sci-fi proceed by tropes. Yeah. This is a stereotypical plot, but that's okay, because that's what horror and sci-fi are so often. Yeah. Is, is like taking a trope. And then doing your own thing with it. Yeah. And they actually, the like most, the most horror scene is really this emotional horror scene. Yeah. Where he becomes Nico's husband for her. Yeah. And they like play out a scene together. And she, I mean, they she masturbates. Yeah. Right. They have it's a, like an emotional rape. Yeah. Where he is forced to be somebody else because he loves her yeah yeah it's sort of the inverse of that scene um at the end of um what are those nerd movies what revenge of the Nerds? yeah there's like that scene that famous yeah he has the darth vader mask yeah and and he gets to have sex with her but she thinks she's having sex with her boyfriend yeah and then he's so good that Right. She's like, oh, I didn't realize yeah. that was you, the the nerd kid. That was yeah. Great. At the yeah. time, people were like, oh, cool, he got <laughs> to finally get the girl. But then, obviously, a lot of people, women, you know, were like, uh, no, that's horrifying. Actually, yeah. if you think that's you're true. having sex with someone and this you have is sex a crazy with inversion yeah. of that, where the woman wants him to be somebody else. Yeah, and yeah. and it is an emotional rape, right? I mean, it, and they deal with it, and like they deal with the fallout 
a lot. They don't just brush it under the rug or just say, well, he's a robot. It doesn't matter. The fact that he is an AI, you know, she's treating him as less than human. Yeah. Explicitly. And then when it's over, she's like, oh, I wish we hadn't done that. Please erase that from your memory. Yeah. Which is even more horrifying. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's like, it's almost like giving him um, a date rate drug drug after the rape, you know, like, (laughs) it's like erasing it from his memory is, is almost as awful, like, right, as experiencing it. Like, so. So there's a horror there on both ends of like, uh, loving somebody to the point where like you abuse yourself or abusing somebody who loves you. Mm -hmm. you Yeah. Yeah, so that was But also cool. that connection is only what makes him human, too. Yeah. So it's all tied up together, I guess. Yeah. That was really... I think that was one of the best scenes I or sequences so of the show. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good show. There's a lot of interesting stuff. Do you have any other highlights to mention before we wrap up on it? Um, trying to think. I have notes, but we I think watched we it a while ago, so I'm just trying to remember, like... Yeah. What was some of the other stuff that really In general, stood out? I like that it moves fast and is episodic. I actually, for me, it dragged the most in the middle where it started really settling on like one arc that would carry you yes, through the I final agree. episodes. I agree. But it kind of, I mean, it paid off in the end. I just thought like, oh God, this is a boring plot where like the guy's brain is taken over by the aliens and they don't know it. Yeah. Like, can we just wrap this up and get on with it? Yeah. But then that turns out to be like the ending of the yeah, show. That and turns pretty out to be important. the last five or six. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I thought it was a pretty good show. Like, I think it's definitely worth watching and not just as something that's super easy to dismiss just because it's a little trashy. I think the very first episode, everyone really liked it. That was like one of those nerd reviewers on YouTube. I hated it. Like, I don't even remember what happened. I, did, I thought it was pretty bad. Um, I really hated the acting mm-hmm. of a lot of the characters. It was just really stiff and it just sounded like they were saying lines instead of acting. Yeah. It does get better that's or maybe just you a, just that's get just a used sci-fi to it. TV show thing. Yeah. Like the acting is always bad. Yeah. I'm just saying like there are elements that might if you try if you try to watch it after listening to this, you might like want to hit the brakes for a second <laughs> and be like, what the fuck did they watch? Like that they were talking about it so glowingly when this is what I'm seeing. <laughs> you just but I mean, just are, power just, through it a little bit. Give it a couple episodes. It's just a trashy show. Yeah. It, and trashy shows, especially sci fi ones, just have different conventions from other TV shows. Yeah. And that's you just true. have to accept it and, and be on yeah, board with it. Yeah, and just accept it on its own terms and yeah. enjoy the stories that it's telling. Don't don't worry about the science. Like, it, it yeah. doesn't matter. Actually, sometimes I found that to be, like, the most boring part when they would explain why something's malfunctioning or how a fire got started. Or why or they don't have uniforms. Yeah, it's like, I just don't care, you know? I get that there have to be um, problems that they need to solve along the way. Yeah. And that space travel is dangerous or whatever, and there are going to be malfunctions, and that's part of why, you know, astronauts get trained in the mechanics of the ship so they can repair it so i just that's fine i don't care we can just <laughs> i'm much more interested in like the like we talked about the human aspects of this right mm-hmm. i mean that's what all and i think mo- at least most good sci-fi is about and, essentially and, learning more about ourselves and, right in general scenes of suspense and horror are about yeah. the human aspects yeah like watching it and, and feeling yeah that and you're human. just experiencing it through a different maybe heightened lens um and it's cool so yep. yeah Okay. Okay. One thing I just realized that I wanted to add, like, I would say one of the things that's worth, 
like watching this show for at least thinking about like we talked a lot about processing trauma and obviously I gave a personal example with our dog but we've also like been going through a national trauma since 2016 right and we are like people get so upset about relitigating 2016 over and over again but we are literally like we're reliving we're in that nightmare and we relive it over and over again and we have the same argument about how bernie could have won and the clinton people say oh if only he'd gotten out earlier hillary clinton could have won and we wouldn't Mm -hmm. have and so it's it's worth like uh watching and thinking about that and and trying to like learn how to reconcile your traumas um and i think that that's also a thing that this show is it's good at and it also reminds me that um there was another show not that long ago that we watched with um uh emma stone and the guy from Superbad. oh yeah that was a good show that yeah. didn't get that much attention yeah but it was kind of the same thing where they were like it was about processing like trauma and like learning how to like live through your grief and stuff like that and um and it's a very colorful series of yeah good visuals yeah i wish i could remember what it was called but I that's totally enough info for yeah you can find it, it but it just makes me think that we are like when you start to see kind of multiple tv shows exploring the same somewhat very specific seemingly individualistic topic because uh you know psychology tends to be about the individual yeah. obviously it does make me think that there's probably something wider happening and then i think 2016 is probably yeah should we make this digression long and longer long enough to recommend that uh one guy on russell brand's youtube show oh is it gobber mate yeah yeah so he came on and talked about trauma and he was talking about how all the leaders of our political world have their own individual traumas and they uh rule from you know their perspective of trauma like obviously donald trump has the trauma of having a borderline abusive father yeah never gave him uh, any attention or praise yeah yeah and he talked about like margaret thatcher's trauma and obama's trauma of being like a mixed race child raised by white grandparents Mm -hmm. and that comes through so clearly like when he took over the harvard law review and all his black peers were like oh finally yeah and then he was like what do you think i can promote you i can't do that yeah we have a black person in charge i have to like cater to the white people now yeah yeah um, um, he said something about Hillary Clinton, but I don't remember, but it was insightful. Yeah. Well, I mean, it certainly seems like she enables abusive men. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, anyway, I forget if that's what he said or not. It's just my own personal view. Anyway, um, yeah, so there, there's that. So think about that. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thanks for listening. I hope you agree with our opinions about this TV show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, okay, so is it my turn to pick a song? It is. Okay, uh, you know what? I'm gonna, um, play that Lizzo song, The Truth Hurts, <laughs> because I'm a boomer now, <laughs> and I went from being a music nerd that was, like, so not into what you're into, because I already heard that years ago, to now hearing, like, Lizzo's song for the first time that came out, like, two years ago, and really wanting to tell everyone, oh my god, I like it so much, it's so catchy and cool, <laughs> but everybody already knows, obviously. Yeah. And it turns out, like, the Obamas are already listening to her. <laughs> yeah, 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 I'm about, yeah, <laughs> the same level of coolness as the Obamas. Um, so, uh, yeah, but it's a really, you know, obviously great, catchy song, 
I really like it. And um, also, you know, Lizzo tweeted a very mild thing about uh, being in favor of just not being ageist towards Bernie Sanders. Just in favor of like being nice and hearing him out. (laughs) Yeah. And then we had the trajectory, the most one of the most cringy tweets I've ever seen of a white guy basically saying like, Elizabeth Warren is that bitch, though, (laughs) which was just, please, no, (laughs) like, don't, no. Uh, So embarrassing. But then I also saw, although I didn't look, but I saw some people saying essentially that um, she was so harassed by, I think maybe Elizabeth Warren supporters, uh, saying essentially like, no, sis, this isn't mood. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That she, I think, maybe deleted the tweet, actually. Uh, But... Obviously, we here know that she is low-key standing Bernie. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just trying to do the, um, you know, the, the AAV to be cool like uh, those people. But no, basically, um, we just really like the song. And like I said, I'm a boomer. That's really late to this. So <laughs> we'll just listen. We'll go out to that song. All right. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Um, we love you. Goodbye. Oh, also, we forgot to say you can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, um, Twitter at Cold Pizza Party on uh, all of those are Cold Pizza Party. I'm at Cold Pizza Party on Twitter. Adam's at Bone Camaro. Okay, now we're gonna ride out to Truth Hurts by Lizzo. We love you. Goodbye. <laughs> Like, I, I, I. Why I'm in great till they gotta be great? Don't text me 
tell it straight to my face Best friend set me down in the salon 